5. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll read uh, verses 6, 7, and 8. Father, thank you, Lord, for this uh, time we have, Lord, to teach your word, Father. Pray God you'd uh, bless the lesson, Lord. Pray God you'd bring in the right side of the church, Father, and give them safe travel, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's a little lopsided here. I had to kind of hang on to this thing and slide off. Okay, verses 6, 7, and 8 of Romans chapter 12. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. Just describe myself. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a test. Um, so we're talking about we're talking about service now. Christian service here. We're talking about it. So he lists all these these spiritual gifts, if you will, these things that people do. Uh, and I don't know if they're all called to have these gifts. I think God gives them to us, and He gives us the desire or the urge to do them um, and the ability uh, but all these gifts he's talking about the body here we talked about last week all these gifts if you're going to call that all these people are part of one body just like he described the body parts in uh, Corinthians chapter 12 all these gifts make up the church we need a pastor we need teachers we need you know, people with other ministries, and we need those to make this thing go, to, to help the body of Christ and achieve Christ's goal. Right. It takes everybody. Uh, one person can't do it alone. That's why God made a church with a tribute. We don't all have the same gifts. And what Paul's going to talk about later on here is that, you know, whatever you do in Christian service, do it to the best of your ability. And do it for God. He'll talk later on here about not doing it for yourself or to please others, but do it for God. He's the only one we have to please. Amen. He talks about prophecy here. <laughs> now, there's two kinds of prophets. There are foretellers. What do they do? Foretell the future. They... some in the New Testament. Agabus. Uh, John the Apostle. Revelation. He was a prophet. Okay, so there were New Testament prophets also, but they foretell things. We don't have those anymore. Everything we have for prophecy is right between these covers right here. There's no Amen. more prophecy. These folks have a bad pizza and they wake up the next morning and say, hey, the Lord spoke to me in a dream and, you know, that's nonsense. That's not, there is no more prophecy. It's been revealed. So the prophets today, there's a second time and a second kind, and those are called forth tellers. Yeah. And they tell forth what God said. That's a modern day preacher. That's a forth teller. So our, in that sense, prophets are still needed. Forth tellers. People stand up behind the pulpit and tell folks. Um, got way ahead of myself here. So there's no more prophecy. Look at uh, look at First Corinthians chapter fourteen, 
and verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to exhortation, and comfort. That's a preacher. That's what pastor does. Edification, exhortation, you know, comfort. That's what our pastor does. First, First Corinthians, thirteen. I mean, sorry, fourteen, verse three. I might have said that backwards or something. Who knows? I got my second shot. I have not been the same since. Got this twitch. <laughs> feel like a bat sometimes. <laughs> My radar's working pretty good, though. Yeah. Yeah, like sleeping, hanging down. Yeah. Can't wait to get it. Yep. Just hang around. It means to do something. It's not waiting. It's waiting. When you go to a restaurant, you get the wait staff. You think they're waiting all day? They're waiting for customers. They're waiting for tips, but they're they're actively doing stuff. Amen. They're working. That's that kind of that's what that word wait means. Any kind of service of a ministry, any kind of service you have that gives God glory or or, or helps the church, God blesses that. God wants that. And whatever you do, do it enthusiastically. And whatever you do, do it faithfully. Over my umpteen thousand years I've been a Christian here, I've in churches we've been in, there's guys that are motivated, boy, they want to do this, this, and all of a sudden, boy, the first time they got any opposition or it's really hard work to do, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure of my calling here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they kind of want to back up a little bit and uh, yeah. do something else. Okay. He that teacheth, it says in verse number 7, on teaching, refers to teachers distinguished from prophets. Teaching is not a call. I wouldn't call to teach. Except if nobody else is here. I might get a phone call. But, but I wasn't called by God to be a teacher. I just think I have the ability, I guess, and I, I have a degree in teaching, so I, I teach. I know how to teach a little bit. So, um, Amen. so that's, that's what I do. I have something I can, I can use, and God can use me. So that's that's Amen. just a blessing for me, really, and uh, and, and for you also. I think. Uh, <laughs> just, Amen. Just kidding. <laughs> I got the funny version of that shot. I think. Um, verse number eight. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, and he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So there's all these various Christian uh, gifts, there's these various Christian duties, uh, uh, there are things that we do. money and and she comes to me 
and but it's she has this gift of mercy. She wants to do something for somebody, and that's just the way she is. I don't always have that gift. Oh, it's just good for him to go through this. It's a trial. They'll learn. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so she has to give me, you know, a headlock or something. To help me out some. But that's what I'm talking about. All these gifts that we have in the service of God, we're doing it for God. We're not doing it for so folks would notice us and, and glorify us. It's for the glory of God. Amen. That's what Paul's saying here. Look at verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. The love intended here in this verse is probably love to all. This is love for all men here, I think. And not just the Christians exclusively. Uh, but dissimulation, that's a, that's a bad word there. We need to look at that word. Dissimulation means concealment or dishonesty or hypocrisy. Who did Jesus condemn most when he was on earth? Pharisees. Pharisees. They are the uh, epitome of dissimulation. Backstabbing, politics, uh, concealment, uh, uh, ulterior motives, all these things. That's them. That's what he's talking about here. Okay? Be without assimilation. Abhor that which is evil. That word, word abhor means to, um, they're kind of the same, two sides of the same virtue here. You, you hate profusely. That means abhor. You just hate it with Extreme hatred, and then you have uh, you have uh, cleave that which is good. Abhor and cleave are very forceful, force, forceful words, and they express the highest degree of hatred and the highest degree of love. That word uh, cleave is an interesting word. It's one of the uh, few words that uh, it has two meanings. They're directly opposite to each other. Cleave means to adhere or to stick to. Or not let go, cleave. You see in the Bible, uh, a man is supposed to leave his family and cleave. cleave to his wife. Leave and cleave. Leave his family, cleave to his wife. It's mentioned a few times in the Bible. Cleave to that which is good. So you embrace that, you hang on to it, you hold it, you stick to it. And then you have the other cleave, which split, it's asunder. Zechariah 14.4, Jesus is going to step on the Mount of Olives. What's going to happen? Cleave. It's going to cleave. It's not going to stick together. It's going to split apart. So two meanings to the same word. Verse number 10, Be you kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. The Greek word for love here, and I think in verse number nine also, is the great word agape, that type of love, that, that um, uh, most comprehensive and selfless love. That's what he's talking about here, uh, those, those type of qualities. Honoring, preferring one another. Uh, setting the example and taking the lead in honoring others. Uh, look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. This is what he's talking about here. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Amen. We were talking last week or a couple weeks ago about pride. God doesn't like pride. And, and we have to be careful when we serve God. I mentioned this thing last week. When you serve God and you do things, people tend to start puffing themselves up. And they get real big, you know, and all they need is someone with a pen, you know, and that'll deflate them. But he says, you know, humble yourself. Amen. First uh, Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. I'll tell you from experience. It's easier to humble yourself and better than to have someone else humble you. Amen. Guarantee it. Been there, got that t-shirt. A few. So humble yourself. First Peter 5.5 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Does that mean you're supposed to obey and, you know, all this? No, just listen to some wisdom. Amen. People think old folks are just old folks. Um, I watch these videos on Vietnam and these old helicopter, you know, all these guys that serve, you know, they're, they're wise guys. Yeah. I, I watched some videos and read some books. Guys flying combat helicopter at 18 years old. Yeah. They've been driving a car for two years. They went from high school to flight school. They're flying helicopters. And they had to get real wise real fast. Yeah. Amen. And you listen to them, you know, 50, 60 years later, got a lot of wisdom there. A lot of things they've seen and experienced. That experience is valuable. Amen. You need to tap into it. You know, uh, I still remember back when you had to adjust TV rabbit ears. You know how to do that? No. Hmm? And the tin foil on top. Yeah. We had to walk from your couch and turn the TV dial. Pliers. Yeah, pliers and knock them off. Or it's fuzzy, you get the fine-tuning knob and you just try to get it right between the channels and it'll clear up sometimes. That's experience worth having. <laughs> I mean, no one can do that anymore. I mean, rotary phones. See the holes in the ring? What do you do with that? <laughs> you know, there's no push buttons. You know, all that driving without a seatbelt. Yeah. Didn't have seatbelts until the 60s. That's right. I drove in a big old car. They made big old cars and you had padded seats and you hit something. You just bounced around. You didn't get hurt. <laughs> Any metal or plastic in there is just padded stuff, man. I've been in a few wrecks as a kid in the back seat. Yeah, you just bounce around a bit. It's okay. You're contained. You're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, we didn't have those things. People don't have that experience, you know. People don't really care about it. Anyways, so preferring one another over yourself. Amen. Verse 11, not slothful in business, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not slothful in business. That doesn't mean don't be a lazy businessman. That word business translated means zeal. Not slothful in zeal. That's what that means. Okay? Zeal for the interest of Christian life and whatever it is you're doing for God. Don't be, don't be slothful in that. If you're slothful in business, you'll find out soon enough that you better get some zeal or you're going to go under. Okay, But it's talking about 
whatever you do for the Lord, that business, that zeal. Fervent means seething, boiling in spirit. Turn over to um, turn over to Acts chapter 18. Turn back to Acts chapter 18. Let me give you an example here. Acts 18, verse 24 and 25. Acts uh, 18, chapter 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being what? Fervent in the spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly and all this stuff. He was fervent in spirit. He had that zeal. He was excited. He wanted to do things. So serving the Lord means diligently performing those things that, that God requires you to do or God asks you to do with honor. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 says, Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to man. If you do things to please man, you're going to be disappointed. Men disappoint you, girls. Uh, mankind disappoints you. You might be the flavor of the month one time. Next thing you know, you're not. But if you do your, your job in God's will, you're always pleased in God's eyes. Remember verse number 12, I think is where I'm at. And we'll remember here in a second. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Remember that little story we did on hope and faith? There was differences there? Nobody has a clue what I'm talking about. Several weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I don't remember what scripture it was in, but it was in uh, Romans. Um, By faith we believe... And by hope, we have that expectation to receive it. Uh, faith is one thing. Hope means you're, you know, faith is taking a step. And hope, I mean, uh, hope is knowing you're going to make it. You're waiting to fill the hard spot under your foot. Faith stepping out there, but hope, you know, you're going to hit something. I mean, not all the way down. I mean, across. If you're, stepping, if you're stepping over a chasm or something, you're not... I'm going to hit something hard. That's not what I mean. Okay? I mean, you've you got that faith. You expect something to be there, even though you can't see it. Okay? So hope has for its object the thing promised, the execution of the promise. Uh, look at Hebrews chapter nine, uh, chapter 16. I mean, Hebrews chapter 6, not 16. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Let me give you a little verse on hope here. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. Which hope we have as an what? Anchor. Anchor. Back was on a ship. What does an anchor do? Is it, it holds things Amen. firm. I did a thing on anchors one time. Anchors are huge. There's a plant up there in Blaine that makes anchor chain. You know about that? He makes anchor chains for all these shipping companies and the Navy. Those things are this, this thick around. That's heavy stuff. 
So it holds things secure. That's what hope does for us. Amen. Hope holds, it's the anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the, that within the veil. It's, it's an anchor. That's what that hope is. Amen. We know something's there. We know it's going to come. We believe it, but we expect it to happen because we have that hope. Patient in tribulation. Boy, that's preaching to me right there. I don't, I don't have that. I don't like tribulation. Can't wait for it to get over. I don't have patience. And you know what's worse? Is when you don't learn what you're supposed to learn, you've got to go through it again. I just went through this one. Guess what? Whatever you did, you did it again, and here we go, you know? It happens all the time with me. Patience. I don't have patience. We were uh, Wednesday night. Last Wednesday night. No. Wednesday night we had to go to church. I had my shot. We had to take, we had separate places we got to go. And she had her cell phone at Geek Guys or Geek, whatever it is, Geek Squad. What a bunch of geeks. Long haired guys. Hi. And they start talking geek to you. It sounds like Greek. Oh, you're. <laughs> Whoa, Haas. How come when I push the button, it don't do nothing? You know, that's all I mean. You know, they get really geeky on you there because they can. But um, she had to have her phone fixed. It's supposed to take an hour or so. And we're supposed to get updates. I kept getting the same update. We're getting ready to service your phone. And it was been about, it was pushing six o'clock. Had to go get my shot. She had to go to church and they hadn't, they hadn't, and I was impatient. I was getting ready to call them, got an answer machine. What? Well, that makes me really impatient then. How come you can't answer your phone? Because we're busy. No. Um, what are you doing? Working on your stupid phone. No, I want you to answer my phone and tell me what's going on. You know, it's the last minute they call her just as she's leaving for church. She could pick it up down there. But I, God always does that for me. I have to wait till the last split second, and I hate that. Because I always... Fold. Oh, God, I guess you don't love me because you wouldn't have to help me get this phone back for us. You know, I always do that. Every time. And it's always the last split second that I just wait. You know, I never do it. I'm always discouraged. Okay, okay, okay. I have to learn to be patient. Can you wait till next time? You know, but it's always that way. And I don't ever learn that. I don't have that kind of faith. I just, I just don't have that patience and stuff. He says, continuing instant in prayer. You're supposed to pray 24 hours a day? No, it should be the attitude of prayer. If you see something happening, oh, pray, pray for that person or you know, whatever it is. Amen. Be on that praying ground, if you will. Confessed up. You've seen someone out there homeless who says, pray for me with your money. You know, uh, pray for them. Amen. You know? Uh, verse number 13. Back in our text, they're distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. Right. Distributing also, they also use the word communicating. Same word. Uh, many commentators and Bible scholars use that word. They translate it uh, communicating. And it also means giving money. That kind of communicating. Giving money or supplies to Christians in need. Hebrews chapter 13. Turn over there a second. 
And our church has done that. Amen. Communicating. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 16. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for such sacrifices God is well pleased. Why is my communicating a great sacrifice? My speaking, the way we think of communication. No, it means giving. That's right. Giving money. Helping. That's communicating. Okay, so it's distributing, communicating, mean the same thing. Helping people. The Gentiles were helping the, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. They were in bad shape. They were poor. Right. They were under uh, oppression. They, they, were, they were hurting. Several times Paul, through his epistles, give, help, communicate, distribute, give to those in need. We see it back in Acts. You know, and our church has given, we've given our brother Russell back when, when uh, Brother Smith had that big, we sent containers over there with full of stuff, tools and, and everything else. And uh, Brother Dale's uh, brother yep. communicated with him. We sent him because he had a need. And we've given to other missionaries and stuff when they have a need. And we don't have to even be involved in a need. We have to just know about it. Amen. And then we can communicate as we can. That's all they ask. Communicate uh, with them. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. It refers to the giving of money and supplies. The needs of God's people were great when this was written. Christianity was fairly young. Paul's starting all these churches everywhere. There's apostles and they're writing their epistles and they're all doing this. And, and people were being killed. Nobody wanted this Christianity thing. They didn't like it. They were trying to stomp it out. So if you're a Christian, you were, you were under attack. Uh, and, and he appeals to these Christians, help out the folks in Jerusalem who were Jews. And these were Gentiles. Help them out. Amen. Normally they'd say, no way. But now that they're Christians, let's find a way. You know, that's the way it was working out. New Testament sending help throughout the world. That word saints says here, Necessity of the saints, I think I've said this before, uh, means belonging to God. It refers to our position, not our condition. Some religions award sainthood to, need to deserving people because of their holiness or whatever it is. That's not right. We're all saints by position. We don't always act like saints. In our mind, the, our picture of saints. But we're saints by position. God said we are. We're saints. If you're saved, you're a saint. And one preacher said there's two kinds of folks, saints and ain'ts. And if you ain't a saint, you a ain't. Southern, Southern church. Right. <laughs> to God, my people. <laughs> he preached on that. That's pretty good. He preached a paint off the wall. Mm, anyways, so as we see saint, we call our brethren saints. People say, oh, he's not a saint. I got a medal of a saint. What's he going to do for you? Yeah. You know, it uh, doesn't help. Okay. So the word saint expresses the, the actual fact that we belong to God. Given to hospitality, 
pursuing hospitality. We should always seek opportunities to uh, exercise hospitality. I don't have the patience for hospitality sometimes. I'm not a very hospitable. Am I shaking her head? You agreeing with me? She is. Okay. I'll take care of you later. Um, I'm not the most hospitable person I know. I'm a loner. She just has me for a while. I'm a loner. You're all alone. <laughs> I'm not a big people person. Yeah, just a loner. Verse 14, bless them that persecute you, bless and curse not. What's our natural response to folks that are, that are bad to us? Yeah. If your response is, don't get, eat, don't get mad, get even. That's not what he's saying here. Oh, yeah? Well, I will show you how it feels to be hurt by you. They know what it feels like. That's why they're doing it to you. You know? Uh, in our whole inventory of obligations we have as a Christian, don't, don't harm people. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Amen. Well, bless his heart. People that are bad have a problem. They have something that they need. They need some Christian love. They need some communication. They need some help. Okay? Doing good even to those that are wicked and despitefully use you. Um, I worked for 21 years with a union. I wasn't in a union. I was with a union. Or they were, my workers were union. Well, I'll tell you what, you had to learn a lot of grace working with the union. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, not fun. Mm -hmm. But I learned that contract cuts both ways, brother. Amen. <laughs> it says right here. Mm -hmm. But it's so nebulous, you got to invent. It's, it's really hard. You can't get a concrete thing because they don't want it that way. They want to be able to negotiate everything. Mm -hmm. Well, negotiate this. Now, you don't work right, I'm going to give you a, a written, a verbal, a written, and then I'm going to kick you out. Do that a couple times to get the message, you know. But it's that's not that's being kind. I'm helping them. I really am. Mm -hmm. Amen. I hope you seek out better career opportunities. <laughs> I threatened to fire a guy one time. He says, "Well, I was looking for a job when I found this one." Well, good. You got experience then. You'll need that. You know, it'll help you in the future. You know, all these guys. But we're supposed to to be good to people. And a Christian example is not to get, you know, we get turned the other cheek and walk two miles and give them your cloak and your coat. All that's great. But it's hard to do, isn't it? Amen. But we have to try to show a Christian example. What would Jesus do? Amen. <laughs> like the guy said, what would Jesus do? He'd zap him. <laughs> Turn him into a frog or something. Who knows what Jesus would do? <laughs> you know? I don't mean that kind. But what we have to be towards, be the same mind, you know. Get along with people. Amen. Be the same mind, verse 16. Same mind 
toward one another, not mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate, be not wise in your own conceits. And Mr. Verse, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that, with, that weep. We need to be a little bit empathetic. If somebody's really happy, be happy with them. If they're really sad and down, don't be sad and down with them, but understand what they're going through. Try to help. Amen. Say, can I pray for you? Amen. Don't even need to know what it's about. Right. Can I pray for you? Amen. And they'll say, yeah. They don't want to have to, they don't want to necessarily tell you. It doesn't matter. That's right. Say, can I help you? Can I pray for you? Amen. And they'll appreciate that. That's compassion. Weeping with them that weep. Move with compassion. Keep an eye on each other. Be the same mind. Verse 16 has three exhortations here. Be the same mind, one toward another. It's interesting we read the epistles of Paul in several of his epistles. He says, be of one mind, one accord. Says it in Philippians. Says it in Corinthians. Be of one mind. What's he trying to do? He wants everybody to be agreed on things. One mind. That's important. Be of one mind. The same mind. If everybody's going to go in different directions and believe different things, there's a problem. God can't use that. God can use folks that have one mind in Christ. He can use that. They're all set out to do the same thing. This is our mission. This is our job. This is what we're going to do. Same mind. Same thought. Be of the same mind one toward another. Uh, I'll just read this. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Uh, Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Be of the same mind. Agree together. Christian unity. Number two, he says, mind not high things, but can send to men of low estate. High things means someone that's surrendering, surrendering themselves to do stuff for the purpose of pleasing men or receiving praise. That's what they're doing. Don't do that. They're not happy because they're conceited. They're isolated. They're not happy. I like to talk to men of low estate. You know who the, some of the happiest folks are? They have a lowly job, and they just do it, and they do it well, and that's all they do, and that's what they want to do, and they're happy in it, yeah. have a great home. They're not out to be the president. They're just sleeping the floor, you know, whatever it is, but they're happy. That's what God has them doing. That's what they want to do. Right. They're there. It's not a high visibility job, yeah. but if it doesn't get done, folks are going to trip on the dust. Right. It's an important job. Folks overlook those folks. They're kind of non-existent. They're there. That's right. Low estate. But God uses them. God needs them. Amen. So whatever God has you doing, you know, everybody wants to be the pastor, but we don't need more than one pastor. Amen. Some of these churches with four or five pastors, I don't know how they get along. Yeah. They're not the same mind all the time. They have their own agendas, their own objectives sometimes. They want to be here, maybe. So, uh, politics. Politics. Multi-numbers, ticks are blood-sucking against insects. So there's, you know, poly means more numerous. Uh, 
So that's what politics is. Yeah, I like politics. Why not high things? The third thing is, be not wise in your own conceits. Don't be conceited. Well, let the rest of the folks in, please. Quit holding them back. You got a whole half the church that isn't full yet. A few rows back here. Bring them in to hear me. They're not coming in. I'm of low state. <laughs> you know, I'm not drawing a crowd. It's like Biden or nothing. I'm not drawing a crowd. <laughs> drawing flies, but I'm not drawing a crowd. Man of low state. You get the idea, right? The man of low estate is the opposite of the guy with self-conceit. That's what, that's what Jesus prefers. Verse 17, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Like I said, Paul didn't say, Don't get mad, get even. Who does vengeance belong to anyways? God. Matthew 5, 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them, curse you, and do good unto them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. There's that verse there. Here, here somewhere. Heaping hot coals on their head. Ever heard that before? There's a story about a young family. Young guy, they were too immature to get married, but they got married. They had all kinds of fighting and stuff going on. And this lady was always in a... Always discouraged and always down. Older ladies come in and say, can I help you? What's going on? Oh, it's my marriage. It's terrible. He just doesn't, you know. All these things. And this one lady says, did you try ever try heaping coat, uh, hot coals of fire on his head? She goes, where do you get them? <laughs> <laughs> so... So provide, provide things honest, not only inside of God, but inside of men. Honesty. Remember, you used to be able to do things with a handshake. Yeah. Now, if you don't have lawyers, yeah. you can't do nothing. Yeah. And there's mistrust, distrust everywhere. Verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. It's difficult living peaceably with all men. Amen. I've been, we've been around groups of men. And it's hard to leave, live peaceably among them. It really is sometimes. It's the guy that's spiritual that keeps the peace. He has to sacrifice. The spiritual guy does. To have some peace. You can't make everybody stop cussing. So work on the ones that have God involved and Jesus involved. At least don't say those words. Let's have a compromise here. If you want to be filthy. At least leave those names out, okay? Sacrifice, a little bit of peace. You know, that's the kind, that's what God's asking here. Live peaceably, but you may have to sacrifice to do it. Avoiding discord. Avoiding this schism. We'll talk more about this next week when I finish up this, uh, this chapter. James 3.17, But wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Next week we're going to look at Proverbs chapter number 6 next week. I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. I'm going to start today on because I won't get finished with it. But he's saying these are strategies that Paul's giving us from God on how to live peaceably with all men. We're going to go through chapter 13 next week, start it, and that's peaceably with our government. 
That'll be fun. Yeah. Lesson's about seven months too late. <laughs> Anyways. And then you can talk about 14. Part of 15. People with different convictions, different standards, different views about things. We've got to deal with them. How do you deal with Amen. them? It's things we got to learn. That's what he's talking about these last few chapters of Romans. He's finished with the doctrinal stuff. That ended at the end of chapter 11. Now that I taught you what you need to know about doctrine... Jews and Gentiles in the Church of Rome, how do you get along? That's what we're going through now. So we'll stop here today, and we'll pick up right at uh, uh, this verse here next week. We'll look at some things in Proverbs. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the lesson today, Father. Pray, God, you bless pastors he preaches, Lord. Pray that you bring folks that are on their way, Father. Give them safety on the road, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.